Before we get started with this episode of the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast, let me talk to you about MyBookie.ag. A lot of the guys in the FSD Slack chat are using MyBookie to make their golf wagers. They have the overall tournament. They have each ways. They have first-round leaders. You name it, they've got it. Plus, with March Madness coming up, they have all the March Madness prop bets, winners, you name it. They have it all. And if you're a first-time depositor, use promo code BENCHED for a free 50% first-time deposit bonus. So go to mybookie.ag, promo code BENCHED for a 50% first-time deposit bonus up to $1,000. Deposit $100, get a free 50 Deposit $500, free 250 so on and so forth. mybookie.ag, promo code BENCHED. Also, if you can go to iTunes and give it a rating and review, we'd much, much appreciate it. The more ratings and reviews that we get, it helps move us up the rankings and people can find us easier and easier. With all that being said, welcome to the Always Pressing PGA DFS Podcast, previewing the 2019 Val Spar Championship. Play. Sir. Yeah. Kane is in the building. And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of the Always Pressing PGA DFS podcast. This week, we will preview the 2019 Spar Championship. You can check out the podcast on Twitter at Always Press DFS. You can give us a rating and review over on iTunes. We'd much, much appreciate it. It helps uh, move us up the rankings and help people find us easier. But if you're not an iTunes guy, we're on SoundCloud, Spreaker, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, you name it, it's out there. Go and find it. In order to break down the Valspar, recap the players, I will be joined by my co-host as always. You can find him on Twitter at DFS Golf Gods. Jesse, how are we doing, man? Doing better, dude. Uh, got out to play golf last week. I know everybody really... Um, enjoys my uh, weather updates from Kentucky here. So it's getting better. Um, looking forward to it. And the uh, man, I'm going to say it every week, but the Masters is almost here. It's getting closer and closer. Uh, we have the unfortunate match play next week, which I'm kind of scared about because it was really weird for DK. Like really, really weird last yeah. year, like points wise. So it'll be an experience unlike any other. But this week we have the Valspar. We have the recap of the players. And the players was pretty awesome. I know it's not a major. I'm not going to say it is, but uh, the fact the leaderboard looked the way it did and the uh, the kind of nice final weekend, I'd say, even, was pretty darn good. What was your thoughts on uh, Rory? He finished after, you know, we've said it week in and week out that he's been playing great, just hasn't, hasn't uh, gotten the trophy yet. Well, he did it this weekend. Yeah, obviously he won uh, by one shot there over Jim Furyk. My God, Jim Furyk, um, who – we talked about last week, me and Rob both mentioned him and I wish I would have played him more, but as far as Rory goes, um, yeah, I mean like, you know, it wasn't like spectacular, but he did enough to win the golf tournament, uh, shot 70, 70 on the weekend, which is two under two under, um, had a hell of a back nine though on Sunday, uh, cause he was behind and, it was wild, man. That was a wild final day there um, with a lot of big names. It, was, it had a major feel to it with the leaderboard going into the final day. A lot of big-time names up there. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we've been talking about for however long, you know, it's it's bound to happen. So it does, did not surprise me one, you know, one single bit. Yeah, he's definitely uh, cemented himself as one of the best in the world. It's like, it wasn't really a surprise, but – there was so much chatter about him not finishing, but week in and week out lately, he's been like top fiving everywhere, and he finally just put it together, yeah. got it done. Uh, John Rahm 
went full John Rom on Sunday. Even his caddy, like the people have had to have seen it by now. Um, when his caddy's telling him, dude, you got to lay up over here. It's, a, it's like a little wedge in, blah, blah, blah. It's the whole thing. And Rom's like, no, I'm it out of the bunker and try to get to green in two. And wasn't even close. Like the audio on TV was like, this is going straight into the water. Like not even <laughs> going to be close. It was so bad. And Rom's come a long way in his maturation from what we've seen in years past. But that was one of those looking back. I guess you could say it's a learning experience. But you have any takes on Rom just kind of going full Rom there and pretty much knocking himself out of contention? Yeah, that was bizarre, man. Um, I didn't. Uh, I didn't see it live, uh, but I, I did see the replay, and it's – I mean, he's in a bunker. He had to hit a big old giant hook around a tree to try to hit a green all, all the way over water, and he didn't think he could lay it up well enough. I mean, I just – I it blows my mind uh, what he was thinking there. Um, and, you know, his caddy tried to talk him out of it, and obviously that didn't – it didn't work. Uh, yeah, that was bizarre. Um, Tommy's another guy who, you know, had a chance uh, to win, and he shoots, you know, one over par and pretty much everybody else above or everybody else in the top eight almost, top 12 was under par that day. So pretty disappointed to see Tommy there, but, um, you know, his time's coming as well. Yeah, it, it was weird with Tommy. It was uh, Friday, or Thursday he came out and just crushed it, absolutely crushed it. First-round leader um, tied for the first-round lead. And then on the second day, he, he he grinded along. I think he was like two or three under on the day. He had the sole lead. And it's Saturday and Sunday, he just he was all over the golf course. Like the fact he was two under on Saturday was impressive, but uh, he couldn't do it on Sunday. He eagled uh, 16 to give him a chance, and then where the pin was on 17, it's right on the edge. And if you miss it at all, you're screwed. And he went for it knowing he had to have a birdie there, and it, it, back, like it hit off the side rock and went out. So, yeah, he's there. It, it, he's got this – um, Paul Casey feel to him as you know I know you've been the Paul big Paul Casey guy before Valspar last year like for the, like a year up to Valspar a year and a half he was contending and then kind of disappearing contending kind of disappearing and then he broke through at the Valspar and we've seen Casey be as the contender all over the place now so I'm with you I think Fleetwood's close he already withdrew from the Valspar this week we've had a few guys withdraw but um, it'll be really interesting to see when he gets it done because it's coming he, he's such a really good ball striker when that iron plays on he's really really one of the top guys out there. Oh yeah. Well, when, when he's making putts, I mean, he's, he's one of the top, you know, seven probably golfers in the world. Um, but I, I feel like his first win is going to be like a come from behind type of deal where he starts kind of slow and just basically does the reverse of what he did this past weekend. Cause he shoots seven under five under two under one over. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's, you know, it's a long learning process and, the, the pressure that these guys are under when there's $2.2 million on the line, I mean, it's immense. And I, I can only imagine what it's like. Um, you know, I'm out here pay, playing for $500, you know what I mean? Like, and I, and I feel it, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And uh, so it's, uh, I, I can only imagine, but it, you know, it takes, it, it takes some time to figure that out mm-hmm. and like what it's like to be in contention and learn from it. And then, and then take those learning experiences and obviously move on. So. Yeah, I mean his time's coming. I, I I'll be all over him for the Masters again, depending on his price, of course. But yeah, yeah, we'll, I have a feeling we'll be very pro Tommy Fleetwood on that show. Uh, last thing I was going to bring up, and it's just, I could talk about it for a while because it was a really cool leaderboard. Like answer played well. Uh, DJ had one of the quietest top fives I've ever seen DJ have. Like he just really kind of played consistently well all week. And next thing you know, he's yeah. thir- to 13 under. It's like, okay, DJ's still damn good. Um, <laughs> but but the thing I wanted to talk about, like you said it earlier, is Jim Furyk, you and Rob were on him. Rob had a really good tidbit there about how when it was back in March and the soft conditions and how Furyk played so well in those 
tournaments. And then you guys talked about a few other things on him. And he just played great Jim Fury at golf. And he's he's 9,200 this week. And we'll talk about that in a whole other story. But um, what's your takes on Furyk? Because he's been playing pretty good golf overall. And the fact that in a pretty loaded field, he was right there and, and could have won the whole thing. Yeah, obviously, he's been around that track a lot, a lot. I mean, you know, he's, I think he's been playing since when, the 50s or something. Him and Fluff have been together. Um, so they've, they've been around there a time or two. So that, you know, when people say there's a course history, doesn't matter, you know. This is what I'm talking about with course history. You know, it does matter. Um, it's not the end all be all by any means, but it it can help a guy like Jim Furyk who's not out there bombing it. He's putting it in the right spots, and that's a lot of what Pete Dye is is just putting it. His golf courses is putting it in the right spots and knowing where, you know, just where you can miss it and just where to hit it in general and get some bounces and you know get around there. Another guy, dude, Johnny Vegas. We talked about him last week too. Uh, pretty incredible. And then some just insane miscuts too. I don't know if how much uh, Paul Casey you played, but fuck me, he was awful. I don't remember the last time, and I was trying to figure it out, like looking at his stats. I mean, that's the last time he was that bad was apparently it was or close, anyways, was the PGA Championship last year in August. But I mean, like he was terrible everywhere. Glover the same. Um, it was an, it was a weird week for that reason right there. Yeah, no, I had five lineups. I had five, five of sixes because I had three with Casey, one with HV3, and I can't remember who the fourth, the fifth one was. But uh, yeah, that the Casey one was crazy. I, it's sitting there, and it was kind of an up and down Thursday for a lot of guys, and uh, some of the big names were just kind of dinking along. And when he went, I think he got a quad on seven, on seventeen. Seventeen, yeah. Yeah, it just unraveled. Mm-hmm. Like it was like he just basically said, "Fuck it, I'm out." It's over. I'll see you guys later. Yeah. And, and he never really rebounded from there. I think he might have got it back he to like could, three over at one time, and he's just gone. He couldn't make a putt. Um, I mean, he wasn't hitting his irons that terribly. I was following along his shot tracker. He was hitting some decent iron shots, just couldn't make a 10-footer. I mean, and Rafa was another guy who was just absolutely mm-hmm. trash the whole entire week. Um, speaking of HV3, though, did you see the penalty that he got that they called on him? Did you hear about this? No, I did not hear about this. So apparently what happened was he took, uh, I guess, two driver heads to the first tee and switched his shaft into a different driver head or, or switched his shaft one of the two. So either he had two shafts or two driver heads, whatever the case was, on the tee box. Well, the score picks up his – extra club or whatever that was that was that he left there and like carried it around i guess the rest of the round so they called the two-stroke penalty on him well they count that as too many clubs in the bag uh, oh, i think wow. they counted it as like you're not allowed to bring in a new club while you're on the course kind of thing i figured it was before you teed off it didn't matter i think you can do it each day you can change i've heard guys like change putters and stuff I wouldn't um, think so either. I didn't get the full story on it other than it had something to do with the person carrying that club or that shaft or whatever the head around all day with them. That's for the bizarre things that are seen. My boy Wyndham Clark got DQ'd yep. because what happened with that? I was wondering about that looking at him today. First of all, he shot eighty. He shot eighty. So yeah, like it, it didn't fucking matter. But he he sat he signed an incorrect scorecard. Oh, like they put him down for a four instead of a five. But you know, do you know just as well as I do? He shot 80, was so fucking mad he didn't give a shit, and mm-hmm. and just said whatever, and then got DQ'd. And you know, I mean, he's not going to cut it plus eight. 
like I understand that's been part of the game since the game was invented. The everyone's signing their scorecard with technology nowadays. Who gives a shit? Like we all know what the real score is out there. No. There's so many guys <laughs> keeping score. It's like I, I, I know it's going to be there. One of those, yeah, it's just. God, I was just thinking that myself. Like on the PGA Tour, like why do they still have scorecards? Yeah, you know the, what I mean. The players should never have tracker. a scorecard. <laughs> right. I mean, like, like it. It literally, they have a shot tracker for. They know exactly where they hit the ball every single shot. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, like, let's, I mean, that's kind of interesting to think about. Let's take that worry out of the guy's hands and just let them go play. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you're not the top of the leaderboard, you may not know what your score is. So you may want to keep your own score or maybe in your head or whatever. But I mean, like, <laughs> but, yeah. you know, it, it's, it's one of those things I think where for, for Clark, like he literally, I, I think he did it on purpose. There's legit a kid usually walking around with each group holding a sign up that has your that's score it. on it. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's there's like, yeah, that, that's so yeah. So it's not like you, uh, yeah. But either way, I mean, electronic scoring, like yeah, I, it's know, everywhere you go. It's uh, crazy, but yeah. Anyways, it was a good week, dude. I mean, I, the the players is legit. Yeah, moving it to March, in my opinion, makes it a more, way more legit tournament. Yep, I'm glad they did that. Golf is going to be so much better in March, April, May, June, July, August. Now it's like literally the next we we got just constant shit going on. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, no, it, it's a great move to March. It was a huge success. I don't think anybody's really going to complain about that. And uh, it made it much more relevant. It made golf more relevant in March, like you said. So it's awesome. And uh, this new schedule is already kicking butt right out the gate. Let's get into the Val Valspar Championship 2019 edition. Defending champions Paul Casey, give us some past event history here, Jesse. Yeah, so uh, this is played at uh, Innisbrook Country Club, a, do, a resort and golf club, um, more commonly referred to as Copperhead. And I know you'll talk more about the golf course here in just a few minutes. But uh, the Valspar, yeah, like you said, Paul Casey um, come from behind last year. He shot 65 on Sunday uh, to beat Tiger Woods and and Patrick Reed by one shot. It was uh first time – uh, I think the first time all year Tiger had been in contention, and so it ruined a lot of people's uh, good time that they were having there. Um, the year before that, uh, Adam Hadwin uh, shot 1,400 for the week, and he beat Patrick uh, Cantlay by one shot. Charles Schwartzel was your 2016 champion, 7-under in a playoff over Bill Haas. Jordan Spieth won this 10-under in a playoff over uh, Sean O'Hare and Patrick Reed. Um other past winners here, Gary Woodland's one here, Jim Furyk's one here, uh, VJ Singh. Um, and I don't know if you've got it or you're going to mention it, but the cut line, so last year it was four over. Uh, 2017, it was one over. Year, uh, 2016, it was four over, then 15, two over, then 14, four over. So, uh, you know, scores can get this – is, this is a tough golf course. Yep, very, very tough golf course. I'm glad you mentioned those cut line deals because, A, people have been asking us about it in the Slack chat, and, B, it, it does make a good segue into this course. We made the Copperhead course at the Innisbrook Resort in Tampa Bay. I believe it's the last in Florida event on the Florida Swing. It's a par 71, but it's 7,340 yards. So it's not long, long, but for a par 71, it's not short either. It has four par fives and five par threes, which is odd for a par 71. And all of the par threes are 195 yards or longer. So they're not just little gimme par threes either. Uh, there's water all around the golf course in different spots. The biggest uh, holes to worry about is the 13th and the 16th. Basically, on those two holes combined, 
roughly 5% of the golfers will find the water. 5% of golfers will double or worse those two holes. So just come to think about their one in 20 guys will likely double as they go through those two holes. Um, this place, you know, it's copperhead, like a copperhead snake. The snake pit is hole 16 through 18. The, they say it's the toughest closing uh, holes in all of golf, mainly because 16, like we just mentioned with the water involved, is extremely difficult. And the other two don't play easy, but they're, they're not nearly as bad. Um, the big thing about this course, a lot of it kind of correlated with who you had winning earlier. It's a shot maker's course. It is very narrow fairways. The greens are extremely small. Um, you can try to bomb it, but you have to be like perfect. So a lot of guys will hit their driving irons. They'll hit three woods, four woods. Um, and then you have to have a nice, it's long irons in because your, your approach in is going to be, you know, 175, 200, sometimes more than 200 yards in to these smaller targets. So um, you have to be really sharp off the tee with your with your non-driver clubs. And then your approach game has to be really, really good with your mid to long irons. And then with such small greens, you need to be able to scramble around the greens. You've got to be able to get up and down. Par is a phenomenal score here. Uh, I believe you said it was Casey won at nine under last year. You mentioned those cut lines. Par is a victory on a lot of these holes. Um, so when it comes to DraftKings, it's interesting because birdies, we know birdies, eagles, get you all your points. Uh, Brooks Kepka, like he finished in the 60s or something last week or 56 or whatever it was, and he outscored a bunch of guys that finished like 30-something uh, just because he had so many birdies to go with his, his mess-ups. So it's going to be different this week. It's going to be really interesting. Um, I want to say it's going to be more, you know, finishing position-oriented is going to have a major impact this week compared to usual. I uh, could be totally wrong, but that's just kind of the first look I have here. Again, very similar to last week. The greens will be overseed in Bermuda with Poa, and the fairways are overseed in Bermuda. They have rye, um, rye rough, ryegrass rough, so very similar grass structure as last week. So you're good Bermuda putters, so on and so forth. Um, but this course, second fewest Eagles, second fewest birdies on tour. Um, the only place that has fewer birdies is the U.S. Open. And Eagles, I believe I read, was Colonial. So par, par, par. With all that being said, I basically gave my key stats I'm looking at, Jesse. What are you looking at? Yeah, I mean, this is uh, – I kind of relate it to the Honda a couple weeks ago um, in terms of, you know, we're in Florida here, so you got to look at guys who can play well in the wind, but also just ball strikers in general. So pretty much just weighting all those with – bogey avoidance um i'm also throwing in shots game par four this week um you know being at a a a par 72 with that most of the scoring does come on these par fives just like with most par 72s most of your birdies are gonna come on your par fives but guys who are you you might find a little bit of a leg up with guys who are uh playing par fours well especially since you got to make par there anyways or you want a guy who can make a bar there anyways I like it. Uh, let's do a little fan share sports for the Valspar before we get into the DraftKings action. If you look at recent form coming in, top three guys in DraftKings scoring are not top threes in the past three events for DraftKings scoring. Dustin Johnson leads the way. He's averaging over 105 DraftKings points per tournament in his last three, uh, followed by Fleetwood's out second place. We'll get to him in a bit because I wrote him down just as a talking point, but he's $7,000 this week. His name is Roger Sloan. He's averaging 85 DraftKings points. You got Jim Furyk, John Rom, Sergio, Bradley, uh, Ryan Moore, Gary Woodland, and Patrick Reed. So some big names there, but Roger Sloan definitely stands out in that mix. If you go back six events, same people, DJ Rom, Webb, Day, 
Furyk. Uh, Kokrak enters the list, and Kevin Kisner, two of the new names in the last six events coming in in good form. If you look back to the last three Valspars and how drafting scoring worked, for guys that played in all three Valspars events, Charles Schwartzel is averaging over 80 draftings points per tournament. Uh, Patrick Reed over 76. Bill Haas over six, almost 67. Yeah, Watney at 66. And Adam Hadwin at 66. That just tells you right there. So when we get into course history, like Patrick Reed has two top twos, a top seven, and like a top 12. He's only averaging 76 DraftKings points. That's how hard it is. He's averaging 13 birdies per tournament, eight bogeys, and one eagle. So that'll pretty much tell you how this tournament's going to play out. He's been in contention twice, and he's barely getting DraftKings points. Um, last but not least, you know, Bermuda tur- uh, tournaments at uh, yards 7,200 to 74. John Rahm's leading the way, and then DJ's third. A couple names that stood out, Brendan Grace, Julian Etuin. We talk about a lot. He's always a nice little punt play. Sunjay's on the list. Uh, ZJ's on the list. But uh, that Etuin play is something I want to bring up for later. Last but not least, good course form and good course history coming in. you got Sergio, Schwartzel, Patty Reed, Poston. Those are the main ones that stand out up top. But uh, a lot going into this week. It'll be really interesting to see how it plays out because the field not nearly as loaded as we were used to last week. Jesse. All right, let's get into the DraftKings action here. 10K and above. You got DJ leading the way at 11.5, John Rahm at 11,000, Jason Day at 10.7, Webb at 10.4, Sergio at 10.1. Who do you like in a 10K and above, Jesse? Um, <laughs> it's it's hard not to mention Dustin Johnson here. I mean, the, the issue with him is he's got two missed cuts here and two tries, but that was back in 2010 and 2008, so... <clears throat> and I'm not really worried about that, but obviously one in Mexico coming off the fifth and uh, uh, at the Players' Championship um, where, you know, he was just kind of – I feel like he's just was kind of striding along and, you know, it, in this field, like he should just dominate it. It's, it's almost – but probably better than the Canadian Open that he plays in every year. Um, so it's a totally different golf course, of course, too, so it, you can't really compare the two other than the fields are semi-similar, but – Either way, I just feel like, you know, this is kind of the week to just block DJ and, and see what happens. But um, other than that, I don't know if I'll play Jason Day. Um, this is an event where literally he may not – he may WD before Wednesday. I'm surprised he's playing. Like, you WD, then you play the – because you can't – five, six holes in, then you play the whole entire Players' Championship, and now you're going to go play Copperhead. Uh, I don't know. I mean, he ranks really highly in the stats, but I just I just don't know how much I could stomach him. Um, and then Sergio, uh, fourth here last year, seventh and 13. Um, you know, his worst finish since 2010 was in 2010. It was 41st. So 15th, 16th, 7th, and 4th uh, in his last four starts there. So I, I think he's totally fine. And if I'm starting a cash game team, I might start it with Sergio. Yeah, that's a that's a great point. I, I love DJ at eleven five. If you can get up there, um, that that's the way to go. I think he's just coming in great. You mentioned size of the field and, and whatnot. DJ's a really good play. Jason Day's interesting, but I'm with you. He's, he's terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And yeah. I really like Sergio. I'm curious to see what his ownership was or is this week. He was high last week, but not as high as I thought he'd be. I thought he'd be chalkier than he really was. Um, but this week, I think he's a really, really good play. Like you said, I think he's a great, great cash game start at only 10-1. He's made six of six cuts here, including two top 10s and four top 25s. And he's made four straight cuts on tour. Um, I think Sergio's a phenomenal play at 10-1 and definitely a guy I wouldn't mind starting things up with. 
Let's get to the 9K where it gets a little more interesting. you got Gary Woodland at 99, Paul Casey at 97, Patty Reed at 95, Keegan at 94, Usti at 93, Jim Furyk with the price bump, 92. <laughs> My God, uh, that's course history, I think, playing a part there. Hendrick Stenson at 91, and Lucas Glover at 9K. So some big miscut guys in here. What do you like in the 9K, Jesse? Yeah, a lot of good ball strikers in this range, though, too. I mean, when you think about ball strikers, you know, Gary Woodland comes to mind. Um, don't mind him a bit uh, at that price. I mean, even if you start with him, his course history is leaves something to be desired. So, like, he would be GPP only for me. Um, I'll be interested to see how many people are – how high – Paul Casey is um, obviously one last last year missed the cut by a hell of a lot last week. Uh, you know, obviously, I, I just don't know if. I mean, the way he played, it kind of it, it seems like potentially he was like injured or something, but I I don't know. But I, obviously, I don't think he would play this week if he was. So maybe he just I don't know, got too hungover. I, I don't know what is what his deal he had was. Two last extra week. days to heal up, so he's okay. Right. I mean, I, you know, but I, I will go, I will play Paul Casey this week um, and not think twice about it. Um, Keegan, he's okay. I'm not a huge fan of him at that price of $9,400. 31st year last year, th- 58th year before, and then, you know, a couple missed cuts. Um, was 16th last week, and he hasn't missed a cut on tour since the U.S. Open back in June. So a potential cash game play there just because of, how well he's played, um, but that, the, the price is getting up there where you do have to get, you know, a top 20 out of him in order for it to really pay off. Jim Furyk, I mean, <laughs> I, you know, his course history is great. He's hitting the ball well. Um, you know, I just don't know if I can stomach a $9,200 Jim Furyk. And, you know, if, if, if I'm going to fade a high-owned play up here, it would be Jim Furyk. And then lastly, I will go back to Lucas Glover. Um his course history is again meh, GPP only, but coming off the miscut, he was chalky last week. Um, I would think that some people wouldn't go back to him, so it should lower his ownership down. Um, and another guy, Henrik Stenson. I mean, we got a question about this uh, from a gentleman to try to talk him out of playing Henrik Stenson. Um, I think he's okay in GPPs. Uh, his course history is pretty good. He didn't miss the cut here last year, but seventh, eleventh, and fourth in three tries before that. So three top elevens before the missed cut last year. In GBP, I would play him, but like I would not go all in on him by any means. Um, but he's, I mean, he should be lower owned, I would think. Anyways, yeah, that's my ownership. Ownership this year has been wild, dude. It's been way different than normal. But my thing with Stenson that concerns me is. Uh, this sets up perfectly because, you know, three wood off the tee type course sets up perfectly for him. But the guy that's finished so well here does not seem like the guy that's playing right now. So that's no, the, the I, big concern it, I have. I agree with that 100%. Like, he's he's not even hitting the fairways that he usually hits. I mean, he's, he's not not the same. I don't know what his deal is. But, I mean, for GPP, I, I, I don't mind him. Yeah, I can see it for a GPP for sure. Um, Paul Casey at 97, I love going back to that as long as he's not hurt, like you said. But so far, we don't know anything. That's all we can go with. Um, I think he's a, a nice bounce back uh, play here because usually if he plays this that bad, he'll come back and get back to the form. We're used to the Paul Casey. And when it comes to ball striking, he's one of the best guys out there. You might get a low-owned Paul Casey that we obviously know can win here. So I, I think that's a good option at 9,700. I do like Patrick Reed quite a bit. I mentioned him in the fan share part. 
at $9,500. I've been mentioning him every week because what he does is make cuts consistently. He's made four straight cuts here. Um, he's made a ton of straight cuts on the PGA Tour. He hasn't been finishing extremely well, so maybe more cash game than GPP. But I think this is a place that Pat Reed could have some fun. And if he's hitting greens, uh, definitely in play at 9500 Furick is interesting at 92 just for the price bump. Um, he, no one's going to pay that price for him. And he can go around this course. It's just tough to to pay for it here. But when you think about a guy like Furick, you know, he did go 14 under last week. But most tournaments he goes like seven or eight under. That might win here. It's a big difference yeah. in having to go to a birdie fest. So right. being smart and playing for par is what Furick can do. I think cash games, I like him a lot at 92. Uh, GPP, is just, he's intriguing. You know, his last four tournaments, the second, a, t- a T9, a T37, a T14. He's contending, or at least interesting, and he finished seventh here last year. So we can't just completely uh, knock it off. He's made nine to ten cuts here with four top tens. So Furica 92 is very, very interesting. And then last but not least, I agree, go back to Lucas Glover. He missed a cut. That's what Lucas Glover does. He's a GPP-type play, but, you know, missed cut, T10, T4, T7, missed cut. That's his last five events. That's what Glover does. He's made 10 of 15 cuts here at this course. So I got no problem going back to Glover and a GPP. Uh, so up here, I think Reed and Furyk, um cash game type plays. Um, they have GPP upside, but I like them more in cash with Casey and Glover being more the GPP in the 9K for me. Let's get into the 8K range now. You got Bubba Watson at 89, RCB off a of big miscut at 88, Ryan Moore at 87, Kokrak at 86, Kisner at 85, Sneds at 84, Hadwin at 83, Schwartzel at 82, Knox at 81. Brendan Grace at 8,000. A lot of more ball strikers here. Jesse, where are you looking? Yeah, I, I, uh, I mean, my favorite play here is Jason Kokrak. Uh, eighth year last year, 58th the year before. A couple missed cuts. Um, but, I mean, he hasn't missed a cut since the British Open last July on tour. Um, I had an okay performance uh, last week at the at the Players' Championship, but 10th and 9th in the Arnold Palmer and the Honda Classic before that. Um, more similar tracks to what we got going on this week than, you know, the PDI track we had last, the, the week before. Um, Kevin Kisner's interesting. I mean, guy's playing really well. Um, he has top 30 in every event this year since the Phoenix Open um, and hasn't missed a cut since Mayakoba back in the fall. So uh, that price uh, is interesting. Um, his course history is, you know, leaves something to be desired, but I don't mind him. Uh, especially in a GPP at 8,500. I think Russell Knox is another good play, 16th here last year. Um, he had a pretty good showing last week, too, finished 35th, and he's just making a bunch of cuts in a row, too. So eventually he'll probably top 10, and I think it's a good chance to maybe potentially hop on him if if he can get the putter going this week a little bit. Yeah, I like those calls. Uh, RCB at 8,800 bucks, the guy I'll be looking at. Yeah, I was going to ask cut. you about him. You're the RCB whisperer. Yeah, I'm back on him. Uh, the guy is a ball striker. He was – the same way I can't explain Casey, I can't explain RCB last week. Like, he should have played really well on a course like that. Maybe it got to him. Uh, he hasn't played here in a few years, but the only time he did play, he finished 44th, and that's when he was kind of still new to the to tour. You know, before the missed cut last week, a T3, T19, T25, T22. I like RCB a lot this week. I think go back to him at low ownership, enjoy the ball striking 101. Um, I'm with you on Kokrak at 86. I think that's a very, very solid price. Quite the bump compared to what we've been seeing in recent weeks with him being in the low sevens and sixes, uh, T8 here last year, T7 four years ago. So uh, some good stuff here with Coke Rock on this course. I think Snedeker could be a guy that gets overlooked this week. I'm not really a good guy. I'm picking when he plays well, but he's made back-to-back cuts 
T5 last week at the players. He's made eight of nine cuts here, including a T31 last week. Um, 8400 bucks. a guy that's got a really good short game, can play around the green and scramble. He can save some pars. I like that with Snedeker this week. Um, he's not going to try to bomb it all over the place. So it is, this fits him pretty well, which makes sense to why he's made eight of nine cuts through two top tens. Uh, Sned's at 84 is interesting. Same goes for Adam Hadwin. He's not a big-time bomber guy, iron play guy, around the green type guy as well. He's 8300 bucks. He's got a good uh, history here, three or four cuts. He won it two years ago, top 12 here last year. So a lot to like when it comes to Hadwin as well, coming off a missed cut. So could lower some ownership. And then I agree with you on Knox. Knox is a guy we talk about a lot. At 8100 bucks. he's definitely a ball striker, iron player extraordinaire. Four or six made cuts here. He's made at least five straight cuts on the PGA Tour. T16 here last year. So this 8K range, I really, really like it, especially from yeah. my cash game perspective. A lot of good ball strikers, maybe not contender plays, but a lot of guys you wouldn't be shocked if they T10, T15, and at their price tag, that's outstanding. So, uh, yeah, definitely a lot to like in this range. All right, let's go 7K range, Jesse. I'm not going to name them all off, but let's go 7,500 and above. Only a few that I like. What do you like in here? Yeah, this is, I mean, this is back to like a more normal PGA Tour event where you, know, you got to pick your poison down here in this range. Um, I think JT Poston is fine. Uh, finished 14th here in 2017 and uh, has had some decent showings here recently. Hasn't missed a cut since the Shriners back in the fall. 22nd last week at the Players. Uh, so a guy, at, you know, at that price, I, I don't mind him and I don't think that a lot of people will be on him. Um, Tyrell Hatton's another guy. Missed the cut last week at the Players' Championship. Uh, but before that, 29th and 19th with a missed cut. And before that, 15th and 38th with a missed cut. So, you know, he's kind of up and down, but for a GPP, I mean, if he, he's got, I think he's got a super high potential to get inside the top 20. Um, and at 7,900 bucks, that would be outstanding. And, uh, I, I mean, I don't know what to do about Michael Thompson. I was not playing him last week because his course history was trash and he played well, made the cut. His course history is trash here. Um, <laughs> But at 7,600, I mean, he might be worth a GPP lineup or two. If you're playing 20, you might put him on one or two. Yeah, he's an interesting one. I'm not sure what to do with him either. But I, I agree with you on JT Poston. I think he's coming in really, really good form. You mentioned the only one time he played here two years ago. So, of course, history, not a lot to go off of. But recent form, he's coming in really hot at $7,900, like a T25 machine uh, in three of his last four events. So, someone to keep an eye on there. Uh, Kevin Naw is a very interesting one to me. Um, he, he finished okay at the players, missed a cut part of that, then T36, T33. He's made nine of 13 cuts here, including three top tens. When his iron plays on, he's one of the better iron players in the world, but a lot of that has to do with what's going on between his ears. So it, it, it's really tough to tell, but I think he's coming in pretty decent form at 7800 bucks. He could be a, a GPP-type play. And then kind of a cash-slash-GPP look is Graham McDowell at 7500 T40 and T14 the last two years here. Uh, he's made four straight cuts on tour. Uh, T-54 is the last time out, but they had a T-18 and a T-11. Uh, one of those, I believe, was in Puerto Rico. But, um, you know, a guy that, that can dink and dunk around this course, Furyk-esque, but maybe not in the same level of play at these days. But $7,500 for a guy that should make the cut for you, I don't hate that much at all. When you go below 75, Jesse, who are you looking at? There's a lot more to, to pick from down here. Yeah, uh, so starting with at 7,400, Steve Stricker. Um, of course, history is – Pretty good. 12th, miscut, 7th, 8th, 4th, and 14th um, in his last few appearances here since 2008. 
uh, you know, he made the cut at the Arnold Palmer. Um, he's been playing a lot of more champions tour events, but just a guy who kind of hits it down the middle. And, you know, if he can make some putts, uh, he'll make the cut. Uh, Nick Taylor's interesting as well. Um, I've not been on Nick, Nick in a while. His course history is not great, but 16th last week, 30th the week before that, and 33rd. Uh, at the Genesis Open and 28th at the uh, AT&T Pebble Beach uh, Pro-Am there. So, Formix coming in is pretty good. I do like Sun Kang, um, another guy who uh, Rob mentioned last week. Uh, he was min-priced, right? Yeah, he was yeah, $6,000 last week. Had a really good round on Friday. Um, he ended up finishing 47th, but was 6th at the Arnold Palmer and 51st at the Honda. So, uh, pretty good form coming in there for Sun Kang at 7200 bucks, And like I said, course history is not terrible. Uh, Trey Mullinax is, for some reason, high up in my model here on Fantasy Labs, and I'm not really sure why. Miscut last week, uh, but he's just been hitting a lot of greens. Um, putter has been, or last week anyways, was terrible. Uh, so if he can make some putts, you know, this should be a little bit of a better tournament for him to potentially make the cut there. So I don't mind him at $7,100. Okay. Uh, something I'm looking at is Sam Ryder at 73 is interesting to me. Uh, T68 here last year in his first attempt. Uh, could be a guy with a little bit of upside, but one that I really, really like at 7,200 is Nick Watney yet again. Uh, interesting pricing. He's not coming in the best form, you know, miscut T51, miscut, and then T39. He's made 11 out of 11 cuts here, including a T59 and T14 in the last two years. Uh, he knows this course. Probably not going to contend for you, but another guy that's cheap that can make the cut. Um, maybe throw up a three or four under total and get you, you know, a top 25, top 30 at $7,200. I don't mind Watney at all there. I think Sun Kang at 72 is very much in play, like you said, much more upside than Nick Watney does. But both, I, I think Watney might be a, a safer, more cash game by Kang's more of a GPP, if you want to narrate uh, yeah. get between the two. I'd agree with that. A guy that's really interesting to me here at 7200 bucks and – it's his first time at this event, but he's made three straight cuts now. He's, he was really rocky for a while. Is Joaquin Neiman? What are your thoughts on Neiman at seventy two hundred? Yeah, I mean, you could. Uh, I wouldn't mind him to stick him in a GPP. Sorry. Um, obviously, he's made three straight cuts, like you said, and and another guy is Bo Hostler. I mean, both those guys I feel like have top twenty upside. Um, Bo Hostler does not have good course history here. He's missed the last two cuts here, but they're similar in that, you know, they can, they're either going to miss the cut or they, if they make the cut, they, they have the opportunity to go low and potentially post three or four under one day and sneak inside that top 30, top 20, like you need. For sure. Uh, a couple of others, you got like Sam Burns at 71, always kind of interesting, finished 12th here last year. Uh, Roberto Castro, not the greatest course history. He's made one of four cuts here. It was a top 25, but it was over five years ago. But he's coming in with a T20, T25 in his last two PGA tour events. He's a very good iron player. He's a, he's a much different golfer now than he was in those previous years. Uh, not by any means great. That's why he's $7,100, but very intriguing at that price point. And then the last one is if you want to roll the dice, you want to trust recent form and uh, in the last three events is is Sloan. He's 7K. I'm not going to go to bat for him. I think he's an interesting GPP play. T23, T30, T2 in his last three events. Thus the DraftKings scoring. It's his first time here. So beware, but there is some GPP upside with a guy like Sloan at $7,000. All right, going into the 6K. I don't, I don't mind that at all. Before you go there, yeah. though, what about our boy fucking <laughs> Stewie Sink? Uh, I had him written down. I didn't want to mention him. God. I'm, just, I'm so torn. This course should fit him perfectly. Three but he's straight so miscuts. 
Was it fiftieth? And I mean, he's he's missed four of his last five cuts. Good lord, man! And at seven thousand, I would be all over him. But he's made eleven of fifteen cuts here, including a T thirty one and T twenty seven. The last two years, he's he's just in a messed up form. I just want to mention, I'm not going to play him, so he will probably top twenty. So just go ahead and keep that in mind for your DraftKings lineups there. He's definitely if Stu the Stu Goat shows up, not Stuart Stink. If the Stu Goat shows up, <laughs> he's definitely top twenty in this event because this literally, like I said, it fits him beautifully. This course, um, it's just I, I don't know if I can bring myself to play him right now. So very yeah. very tricky there with the Stu Goat. All right, back to the six K range. Uh, some interesting options down here, Jesse. What are you looking at? Yeah, just starting at the top. I think Shink is fine um, at sixty nine. Uh, he did make the cut here last year and finished fifty ninth. Um, three straight made cuts on tour and he's made you know, he's made most of his cuts this year. So I don't mind him. I will go back to Wyndham Clark at $1,600. I think, I think it's there, you know, obviously coming off the DQ, it sucks, but um, hopefully he gets his mind right. And, and is back in the same form. He was at the Honda classic where he was leading going into Sunday, uh, finished seventh and then top 10 at the Puerto Rico open as well. Before that, uh, Scott Stallings is interesting. I think, um, 31st year last year, 68th the year before, shit ton of miscuts before that. Uh, miscut the players, but 40th miscut, third at AT&T. So he's just kind of off and on, and it seems like this might be the week that he potentially could be on. Um, Cameron Davis is – he's an up-and-comer, web.com tour grad there, uh, who potentially could surprise a little bit. Um, I mean, I'm not huge on him, but I think at 6,800 he's fine. Carlos Ortiz at 68 as well. Uh, made his last two cuts here, 56th and 68th. Um, coming off the 29th at the API with a miscut at the, at the Honda Classic. So another guy who's got a little bit of potential there. Um, another guy who I've marked here, and I'm just not 100% sure about him, but uh, Cameron Dringali, um, you know, I, I wouldn't play his playing partner because he's liable to get him DQ'd, Alex Sechka. Um, so don't play whoever he's playing with, but uh, – you know, finished 36th at the Honda, uh, 25th in Puerto Rico. You know, I mean, for 65, you know, if you're down here in this range, another guy's Martin Trainer, who's, who's played pretty well here recently too. So, um, you know, I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of this region, but this is what is to be expected in a normal PGA Tour event. Yeah, we were spoiled last week. It was easy. Oh, for sure, dude. Uh, this is a whole different animal now. So I, I'm with you. Shank at 69, I think it'll be very popular. Uh, coming in in really, really good form. So I, I got no problem going back to him. Uh, you know, T-59 last year in his first trip here. Sabatini, I'm going to say it again. He was too cheap last week. $6,900 more reasonable. But he's in play. 10 of 13 made cuts here. He T-5 here last year. Uh, this is definitely a, a look for him. A T-35 last week at the players. So I got Sabatini yeah, 69. He played well last week. Yep. He, for he, he, a lot he of it. Of, yeah, he fell apart over the weekend, kind of like Fleetwood did. Uh, but he, he had a good run coming in there for sure. So I got, I got no problem with Sabs again at 6,900. Um, one of my guys I think I've mentioned about four or five weeks in a row now, especially when it comes to GPPs, is Patrick Rogers. Um, he made a, he made the cut here last year for the first time with a T-59. He's playing really good golf right now, and he's volatile, but he's that kind of guy that can re- – he's like Johnny Vegas. He could finish really, really high if he gets things going. He could also miss the cut. So I think Patrick Rogers at 68 is very, very intriguing. I honestly – and I feel like this, I thought he should have been priced around Sun Kang or Sam Ryder. So I think you're getting a little bit of a discount here with Rogers at 6,800. Uh, I like Martin Trainer's call. Uh, Bill Haas has interesting course history, but he's coming in horrible form. And the last two guys I want to mention here is Julian Etchelin 
mentioned him as a good recent drafting score in his last six events. He's made back-to-back cuts. He's made four or five. It's his first time here. He's basically good for like a T35 or better these days. So at $6,300, I like that quite a bit. And then the only other one I'll mention here is Ryan Blom. He's made two two cuts here, T16 last year, T41 the year before. Didn't miss the cut his last time out, but had a T17 prior to that. So Blom's always risky. We know that going into it, but he's not just some kind of like rookie off the heap. $6,300 comes pretty interesting to me with Ryan Blom. All right, that wraps up our DraftKings uh, going price-by-price price rankings. Let's go a little more detailed here. Jesse, give me three of your GPP-type plays. Yeah, uh, you know, it's – I think Lucas Glover is a GPP boomer bust type of play. Um, I hope people aren't, aren't on him and like, like, you know, before like or like last week anyways. I hope a lot of people fall off of him. So I'll throw him in there. Um, Tringale is another one that I'll throw in boomer bust. And then uh, Sun Kang as well. Yeah, I had Glover, Patrick Rogers, and RCB. Those are my GPP plays this week. Um, cash game, what you looking at? Yeah, I mean, I mentioned Sergio already as a cash game play. I think he is perfectly fine to put in a cash game. Um, I, I would consider Russell Knox as well for cash games. Um and then, you know, somebody like Keegan Bradley, I think, is borderline cash at this point. As many cuts as he's made now, he's liable to, you know, kind of get your hopes up and then, you know, fall pretty, off pretty over the weekend. But, yeah, but, I mean, you know, at, at 9,400 in this, I mean, sure. like, you know, if I, if, if I was making a cash game a lot this week, I would definitely go super balanced with it. I would, you know, maybe not even touch Sergio and try to get, just get a lot of guys in the 8 and 9K range as many as I can. Yeah, you could definitely do that. If you do go right. to Sergio, I'm, I'm with you there. You could definitely do the 10K there. And then after that, I like Patrick Reed at 95, Sned's at 84. And if you have to dip into the sevens, I do like Wadney at 72 as a cash game play. I think there's a lot to like there making the cut and moving on for you. If not, like a Graham McDowell also in that 7K range. Something to take a peek at. All right, let's go through the price points real quick here. Who is your top play 10K and above? Yeah, it would be DJ. Yeah, I'm with you there. That's pretty – Pretty simple. If you're going up, go up to DJ. Um, we'll get some listener questions in a mention, which we'll talk about John Rahm in a second, but DJ for me as well. Uh, in the 9K, give me two of your favorite plays in the 9K. Uh, Paul Casey and Lucas Glover. Yeah, I got uh, Casey and Reed. Those will be my top two as well. So good to show some synchronicity here. Let's go to the 8K range. Give me two in your 8K picks. Uh, Russell Knox. Well, Jason Kokrak, number one, and it's not even close really, But and then Russell Knox. I like Kokrak and Snedeker, and I know I'm only supposed to name two, but don't sleep on RCB and Hadwin. And then I, I not that AK range is a lot of fun. So, but if I had to pick just two, Kokrak and Snedeker are the two I'd pick. All right, seven K range. Give me, I'll say, give me four guys. Uh, I think Molinax is you know interesting. Um, might look into him a little bit more. Uh, JT Poston. I would put him in there uh, for sure. Steve Stricker and, uh, you know, I like your Watney call as well. Yeah, I'll go Poston. I'll go Watney. Go Kang. And I'll go Graham McDowell. A little safe play there. Uh, 6K range. Give me two of your favorites. Uh, number one, forever and always, is Wyndham Clark. Um, I like in that my heart. A lot. And then uh, – Cam Davis, man, at sixty eight hundred, he's hiding up, up up the model here to uh, to garner some attention. I'll go Sabatini and Rogers be my two, 
if you want the bargain basement, go to Etchelin. But uh, Sabatini and Rogers would be the two for me. All right, let's get to winners, Jesse. Who you got winning this thing? <laughs> uh, who the fuck knows? Um, no, I feel like it's uh, it's it, it's you know, I can see a guy like Kokrak winning this week. Um, forty-five sure. to one. Yeah, 45 I mean that's five to one. Not a terrible price for him. I mean, the in this field, uh, and then like more of a kind of a deep guy. Um, man, what 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 kind of odds do you have on um on Sun Kang? I just saw him a second ago. What the heck did I have him at? Sun King, where did you go? Um, got to be like 150. One. There he is. Uh, he's just 100 to 1. Mm. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, uh, for me, I'm going Patty Reed at 22 to 1. I'm really liking that course history there. Uh, RCB at 45 to 1 has a little bit of appeal to me at that price tag. And then Adam Hadwin at 66 to 1. Those three would be the ones that I'd be kind of looking at to pick and choose from if I was going that direction. All right, let's get some listener questions here. It's always good to get a few. I'm glad you guys responded to the tweet that went out about an hour before recording. I'm pulling them up now. Um, listener at DFS Duncan, contributor at the, sport, uh, the Fantasy DGENs. Is Rom worth his price tag this week after Sunday's meltdown, Jesse? Yeah, I mean, I, I think he's got the. I, I think he's worth. I think he's worth a gamble every week because I think he's got enough skill to win week in and week out. Um, I wouldn't really wait what happened on Sunday that much. I'm not worried about it. I think he'll be totally fine. Um, these are all learning experiences for him, so I hope he learns something and takes something away from that. And moving forward, can continue to get a little bit better with his temper and the way he he you know views the golf the game of golf yeah we've seen his temper get better and better every year and at the same time we've seen him do this before and come out and compete the next day let alone the next week so i'm not gonna let it uh, ruin me at all if for anything if anything maybe it'll lower his ownership i think he's a very intriguing play in a gpp if you want to pivot off a of dj rom is very very intriguing um i think dj is the better play but no one would be shocked if rom is sitting there in the top five come Sunday and tee off and, and never know what's going to happen. So definitely an option with John Rahm. All right. Uh, at Ponderosa82, Aaron Ponder. I'm pretty sure I know your answer here, Jesse. He's thinking of fading Kokrak. Is he making a mistake? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, I, it, it depends on how high owned you think Kokrak's going to be. I, I don't ever – I would never say that it's a bad idea to fade anybody who's going to be high on C, Xander Shoffley, and uh, Paul Casey last week. Obviously, if you didn't have any of those two guys, you were way ahead of the competition as far as trying to get six to sixes through. So um, do I think it's a mistake? I'll tell you if it's a mistake on Sunday uh, or actually on Friday, Friday <laughs> if he makes yeah. the cut. Um, but, uh, you know, if, if I'm playing 20 lineups, I would get at least some exposure to him just in case. I'm not saying go all in by any means. I mean, I'm a big fan of him myself this week, so I will be playing him, but you know, it's there's always something to be said for game theory, man. Yep, I totally agree. I think he's a great play this week. Do you want to play a Coke rack if he's like 70%? Probably not, but uh, it's hard to avoid him completely. So with you there. Um, last question we have is from Cameron Bailey on Twitter, at CJBailey24. Can someone make me stop taking Jordan Spieth and talk me off the ledge? Of st- yeah. So first <laughs> off, can someone stop taking him off of Jordan Spieth? Good thing there's no Jordan Spieth this week. 
it's funny. It's funny because I, I I know this guy. All right, so okay. I've, I I I play uh, uh I've played um I played the member guest uh with my buddy Sheridan last year against him. He's a really good golfer, but um he you know we 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 messaged quite a bit. And he said I'm playing Jordan Smith this week, and I said that I, I would advise against that. You know, I told him that, <laughs> and uh, you know, so I. I get it, man, because the, the the opportunity for Jordan to win, I think he's going to be a super interesting play at the Masters because the yeah, course history is. there is fucking stupid, right? And yeah. last year the coming in, he was – narrative will be tested. Last year coming in, you could argue he was in worse – I think he was in worse form coming in last yeah. year than he was this year. I know he missed a cut the players. He did putt better. But with all the hate, 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 hate that Jordan Spieth brings for whatever reason if – he, if he's going to be low-owned at the Masters, it would, I'll play him. I mean, you know, it's it's worth a gamble in my opinion. As far as Stinson, you know, I, I I don't know, man. You know, I don't know where the fuck Stinson's game's at. He's he's up and down. It's it's really odd situation with Stinson to me right now. So yeah, I would I, I would I would avoid him until like he figures some shit out. Yeah, I won't have Stinson. He just worries me right now because he just doesn't look like that guy. This again, course fits him perfectly. That's why the results show that. But this is just a different Hendrick Stinson. Um, if you want to find out more on Hendrick Stinson, join us in the uh, uh, Fantasy Sports Degen Slack chat because there are some Stinson supporters in there that have gone to battle for him the last few weeks, and, and it's been a very interesting roller coaster ride in that Slack chat. So uh, come join us in there if you have any questions going forward, and uh, we'll, we'll tweet. We'll try to tweet it out every week. If you have listener questions, let us know. We got no problem asking uh those on the podcast any final thoughts this week jesse for the valspar championship um i don't it's uh it's march madness and uh so just pick kentucky to win all of your all of your brackets and you'll probably bring home all the money um yes if you're looking for a bracket kevin's delights junkies league is doing one it's always a fun one go up to three brackets in the field it gets pretty big so go check that out. It'll be on the Twitter handle. I've retweeted it. Jesse tweets it. The yep. podcast retweets it. It's out there everywhere. Kevin will tweet it a few more times, but it's a cool one. It's not that expensive. I think it's like 20 to 25 bucks. You can $25 three for three. Yeah, $10 a piece or 25 for three. There you go. And the pool gets pretty big, so it's a fun one. It's over there on CBS. Super simple to do. I think I won also, it last year too, so just need to oh, go well, There you go. Defending champion right there. So uh, go pick Kentucky, and he won't be the defending champion this year. It's that simple. Um with all that being said, Jesse's on Twitter at DFS Golf Gods. I'm at BD Entry. The podcast at Always Press DFS. Again, if you just rate and review on iTunes, we'd much, much appreciate it. But this was the Always Pressing PGA DFS podcast previewing the 2019 Valspar Championship. Catch you guys later. Show goes on.